Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Uh, Kevin Miller on the RiderFlex podcast. Hi, Kevin. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you? Good. Are you in uh, L.A., California? Yep. Are you? Is it is it uh, as bad as they say with the exodus? Everybody's leaving, or that's just the news that we see in other states, and it's really just fine. I don't know what's the what's real. You know, I I think a few people have left. I I think those people are also coming back now. <laughs> I I think the places that people left and won't go back to are San Francisco and New York. I, I see that a lot. I hear that a lot. I, I, anecdotally, I know that through friends who have done that. They're going to Miami. That's the place to be. Oh, is it? I thought Texas was the was the hotbed right now. I don't either know. One, either one, but I think they're equal. Okay, but you're cool. You love you love L.A. You like California? Yeah, I do. I, I actually get to go back to Florida a lot because my parents live there, and my fam my my brother's there with his wife and his two kids, and I've got sisters on the East Coast, so I, I get I get my fill of Florida. So I saw you went to school in Georgetown, but you're from the Southeast then that you're from yeah. the, Oh, okay. So you went to high school in Florida. Yep. Uh, in Miami. No. in uh, in a town called Port Orange, I grew up in Daytona beach. Port Orange is just down the road. Gotcha. All right. So uh, what'd you say to how many siblings? I have uh, three others. So four total. Wow. All right. Um, yeah. And mom and dad still married, still live in Florida. Still married, still living in Florida, going strong about, you know, 40 years of marriage. How about that? Uh, congrats, yeah. to, congrats to them. I mean, that's not, uh, that is not easy to do. No, no, <laughs> not common these days, but I, I'm happy for them. What'd your folks do? My dad used to be the CEO of Budget Rent-A-Car. Oh, is that right? Okay, so yeah. he was an executive. Okay, great. Budget yeah. Rent-A-Car. Yeah. All right. He's got a very unique and interesting entrepreneurial story because um, he didn't he didn't grow up with any money. He's all self-made. Um, wow. So he has got a cool story. My mom um, was working actually in car rental as well. Uh, she actually introduced him to that whole industry, which is the funniest part. Um when they were 22. Um, and then wow. she, she was been, has been a homemaker for, for years. You know, she raised four kids, two of them are twins. I'm one of those two. And, wow. um, and you know, has been our caretaker for life. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. That's great. Hey, raising four kids is a super tough job. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. Was your dad a pretty, uh, I mean, most CEOs are pretty type a pretty driven, pretty, pretty demanding characters. was that, is that him or was he a softy? Yeah, I mean, no, he was a hard ass when it came to work. That's for sure. He's become a softie over the over recent years. <laughs> so as he's gotten older, he's becoming a lot, you know, uh, a lot softer. But um, he's not your conventional CEO. I think he's a he's just a big, big dreamer and like you know has has ideas of how things should go and goes out and gets it. He's he's definitely a guy that doesn't view, never seen any limits. Like whenever I talk to him. Whenever I talk to him about work, you know, he just wants to know why not bigger, faster, or stronger, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what, so what kind of kid were you, Kevin? Uh, were you, um, 
the good kid, the bad kid, the rebel, somewhere in the middle. Where, where were you in there? Somewhere, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. All right. I, I, uh, you know, I followed the rules. I respected my parents. I still do. But I, around the time of high school, you know, I became very rebellious, um, going out, drinking, partying, you know, those types of things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I wanted to go experience life on my own, see what it was like to make my own decisions, you know? So I got a taste of that and it became, it became, uh, very fulfilling to be able to live uh, that type of lifestyle. But yeah, I was definitely in the middle, you know, I'm not causing too okay. much trouble, but I like flirting with it. Did you move out of your parents' house before you went to college or nothing, nothing that drastic? No, nothing that drastic. No. Oh, okay. All right. Did you get arrested or anything? Anything fun in there? Anything you want to tell us about? Any? No, any- I, I escaped that, man. I've been pulled over many times. Been uh had a lot of issues like that, but uh never, never actually made it to get arrested. I'm I'm pretty good at getting away with stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read that in your profile. <laughs> uh you know, isn't it interesting, Kevin? I'm 55. I have told many friends this, I, you know, because I'll talk to guys my age and a lot of guys my age, you know, some of them have a DUI or somewhere in their past or whatever, in their 20s or whatever. Man, I, I have just gotten lucky. I just tell them, I'm like, look, here, here's the difference between me and you. Yeah. I got lucky. I got lucky and you didn't. I mean, yeah. we're the same. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah man sometimes it just it just happens you know it just you get the yeah you get the short end of the stick sometimes but you might be doing the same behavior as the guy next to you no doubt about it so okay so average kid so to speak for the most part um, yeah i was obsessed with basketball i wanted to be in the nba oh really yeah okay okay did you play were you a starter on your high school team yeah all right good enough to go to college or good enough to play in college no okay No, and definitely not at Georgetown. So uh, that was a big, you know, le- like letdown for me. That's all I really cared about when I was in high school. I really, really was interested in that. But really? I couldn't I couldn't make it work for one reason or another, you know. And then okay. but that was a big thing for me to get over. It was difficult for me to deal with. Did you apply to a bunch of division three, division two schools? To play no, them? because I didn't want to go do that. I wanted to either go to a great academic school. I kind of made peace with it. And I just decided, okay. you know. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to go do that. Well, your grades must have been pretty good to get into Georgetown. Yeah, yeah, they were good. They were good. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, I did the IB program at, in high school, and that was oh. that was really hard. Hardest thing I've ever done. That actually taught me hard work because I was literally doing homework, classes all day, night, weekends, and, and I was playing basketball 24-7. So that's when I first got used to like the grind that people talk about. Uh, you know, right. like, yeah. yeah. There was no time to hang out. There was no time to relax. Really. I, I was, I was work, work, work. And that was it. When you went to uh, Georgetown, I mean, that area of, you know, for the listeners, you know, the DC area. Yeah. That is, that is a culture shock from Daytona, right? Oh my I mean, God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That that was the biggest that was the hardest thing for me, the people. I so, you know, my dad was very successful. We grew up with money. But we were treated and and raised in a way where it wasn't like there was zero entitlement. There was no, gotcha. you know, like I I think I'm sure my parents could have afforded nicer stuff, but they they always remained very humble. Um and in the area that I was in, you know, I knew some kids that were well off, but it was a different level of well-off. I'll give you an example. My my college roommate freshman year, his grandfather invented 7-Up. 
<laughs> so it's generationally changing wealth. I went to well, yes. my classmate was Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. So you're talking like famous, famous, famous legacy people, yeah. you know, yeah. um, heritages and bloodlines that you read about. Those were yeah. my classmates. And yeah. so that was a big that was a big culture shock. It was a level of wealth even I had never experienced. And I was grew up very privileged. Um, but then the weather was a big issue as well, because I, I, I didn't know how to, I didn't see snow till I was at least 16. So I didn't know what it was going to be like, but it was it was brutal for me. Brutal, um, you know, adjusting to that. And then, yeah, the, just the way people behave, you know, the, a, lot, a lot of kids are from Greenwich, Connecticut, Nantucket. Yep. You yes. know, I, I never knew how to get along with people like that or like I, I didn't know. <laughs> what to talk about. And also they were really, really smart. These kids had the best education yes. you could imagine. And I had a good education, but it was always public school education. Yes. These kids were going to like Lawrenceville, you know, um, big, uh, you know, uh, Del Barton. These are like, you know, uh, private schools that you pay 50,000, $60,000 a year to go to as a high schooler. And they're out of the home after mm-hmm. eighth grade, which is shocking. You're not even, you know, a teenager yet, and you're not even going home to your parents. You're on your own. So, it, it was a, it was a, a big difference, but it taught me a lot. I think I, I was basically thrust into, you know, this world of trying to figure out yeah. how to navigate. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Best, your, your people. Best way people to learn. Were, were sharpened even more. Yeah, your communication, your people skills, the ability to navigate in different groups, styles, personalities. 100. You know you're. You're so right. The, the nor- and I will give it. I'm not a. I'm not a Northeast fan as far as like wanting to live there because I did live in Connecticut for a few years. Okay. Uh, but, but um, and I worked in uh, Upper Metro New York for a while. But I grew up in Oklahoma, and my wife grew up in Texas. And you're right. I mean, the education level of high school kids compared to anything where I'm from, it was not even close. I mean, yeah, super yeah. educated high school kids, just like you said, out of the house at eighth grade. I mean, yeah. it just a t- education in general in the Northeast is a much bigger deal than it is where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, you, know, or, you know, where I grew up in Oklahoma, it was like, Oh, if you played football, you were cool. You yeah, know? I know. I know. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> that, that, that my definition of cool had to change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. People started talking uh, about politics, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the state of the world. You would get knocked out if you did that in Florida. <laughs> like, they would be like, who, who, who are you? You know, right? That, uh, that, that, that type of conversation wouldn't be entertained. I'll never forget that. I remember that. I, like agree. Yesterday. I agree. And it's still very much like that today. So, okay, so you're going to Georgetown. Did you did you know what you wanted to do? I mean, I know you majored in marketing and business, but did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Or were you just, Hey, I'm just having fun, getting my education, chasing, chasing girls, doing whatever. Yeah. Or what, what was the plan? I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur because I knew I, okay. I saw through my dad, he had freedom of time, which means like he was able to come to my baseball games at 4 PM on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, wow, that's interesting. How is he able to do that? Oh, because <laughs> You know, he there's no one he reports to. So he's allowed to do that. So yeah. I was I was interested in that. And then I was interested, of course, in the financial freedom. You know, I, I there's a lot of pros and cons with entrepreneurship, but being able to ha- have, you know, a direct impact on how much money you make and not be beholden to someone else telling you, hey, you're worthy of a raise or this or that. That's helpful, too, because I'm able to 
if I don't make the money I want, that's on me. And I could accept it way better than, you know, if I didn't make it because my manager didn't give it to me and I live right. in resentment and this and that. So I knew that I wanted to be some form of entrepreneur, but I didn't know it was going to be this. Okay. I, I, I want to, I don't want to go too far forward, but now that you've experienced the freedom of being an entrepreneur versus what you thought it was going to be when you were a college kid, yeah. isn't it even, even, isn't it even so much more rewarding than you even thought it would be to have that freedom? It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I, as I, I yeah. as I go into adulthood further, you know, I'm single. I don't have, I'm not married. I don't have kids. If gotcha. I was married and I have kids, I think I'd even be more, even yes. more rewarding because I'd be able to spend more time with them and do things like that. You know, yeah, I, mean, I just, go ahead. I, I just had a phone call yesterday with a firm in, in Europe that was interested in us. Our, our day job at Rider Flex is, is a recruiting firm, right? And so we're getting big enough now to where we get phone calls every once in a while about M and a or whatever. Mm. And this guy's talking to me and uh, he's like, yeah, you know, we can, we can, we can buy Rider Flex and then you can work under our brand and blah, 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 and la, 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 la. And I'm just thinking, bro, I'm not, it, you you probably couldn't give me enough money to be an employee again. I, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what the number is. <laughs> yeah, because it's just so hard to put a number on the value of the freedom that an that entrepreneurship brings. In my, yeah. in my opinion, it's just yeah. you know, my wife and I were just having we were just having lunch today. She's like, hey, let's go to the mountains. Uh, because I live in Colorado. She's like, Hey, let's go to the mountains on this day and let's do this and this and this. And like, you know, I, we don't, I don't have to call anybody and ask them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know that's the, that's the best part. <laughs> right. Best okay. Part. So you, you know, you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Okay. So you, you finish up school, walk, walk us through, you know, you don't have to hit every stage because I want to, you know, get into grow pretty soon, but walk us through some of your early career and some of the things I know you were at Google and some other places, walk us through a few things, uh, you know, your early career progression. Well, I, at Georgetown, everyone was going to Wall Street or doing Wall Street internships. And I knew that wasn't for me. I didn't, I couldn't sit through accounting classes. I couldn't sit through finance classes. It wasn't interesting to me at all. And I'm not a stranger to working hard, but I didn't want to be working all nights and weekends. I wanted, and yeah. that's when I started learning about tech companies, you know? Okay. So my okay. first internship was at uh, Living Social in Washington, D.C. And that's a, that was a, really popular tech company, just like Groupon yeah. back then. Yes, I remember. I used that and I was able to get a internship at a venture capital fund in, in San Francisco. And that changed my life. That's how you got to California. Yeah. Okay. Because I moved to San Francisco to work for a company called True Ventures. They're still one of the best venture firms in the world. They take 12 kids a year. Ooh, across wow. the country somehow that was a big win. That was a big win for you right there. Somehow, Huge. some way I got that internship. Very nice. Congratulations. And, and thank you. And so I got to go and work at a startup in San Francisco and spend my whole summer playing basketball and, cool. you know, hanging out, going out, you know, partying, all that. Nice. And it was fully immersive and it was, it was incredible. You're, so, you were all in. You're like, yeah, this is yeah, it. This yeah, is this it. Is, this is it. My, I was, I was, I was so infatuated with it. I can't even describe it to you. Like it gave me, it gave me a sense of fulfillment that I was unmatched, unmatched, you know? Okay, cool. And it, right. and it was like that quest of like, where will this go? Will I start a yeah. company? Will I work at 
you know, Google? Will I work at Airbnb? Will I, you know, what can I do here? You know, this is where I'm walking on the same streets where I'm listening to podcasts of like the Uber founder was here, the, you know, the founder of every major company that I use, they live in that city. Yes. And so it was really inspiring. I think that's cool. the best word. Um, yeah, very cool. So that was, that was that. And then, um, but around this time, you know, I was, I, I started to use um, drugs recreationally. So, you know, okay. I started to. You want to tell, you want, can you share what, can you, do you want to go into what kind? Were you talking Coke, heroin, yeah. what, something huge? Uh, yeah, Oxycontin. Okay, Oxy. Yeah, right. Oxycontin and Xanax. And so that started when I was in high school. It followed me to college. And, um, you know, it helped me work hard and play harder. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I was doing that all, all through the end of high school into college. And then, uh, even, and then when I got to San Francisco, so it never left and it wasn't, wasn't always a day-to-day thing, but it was definitely like a weekend to weekend thing. Anything uh, harder? Did you ever, did you dip into harder stuff occasionally or that I've was done, the main I've, thing? I've done heroin. I've done, um, done it all done just know, about yeah, everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cocaine everything um i just didn't yeah. like psychedelics anything that like you can have a bad trip on i don't i don't like that man i got a friend that keeps trying to get me to do mushrooms he he, he considers himself a professional he's like come travel with me mm-hmm. and i'm like bro i'm like i don't know i don't i don't want to go somewhere where somebody has to like watch over me <laughs> a lot of a lot of professionals in business do that they microdose mushrooms they say it gives them all these benefits i don't i don't know i, I, it's not I don't know to, yeah not for yeah. me to explore but I know some people do it, but I, it's not, not for me. So then, um, yeah, I mean, I was like, yeah, hi, you know, what you'll find in addicts and alcoholics is that they're usually highly intelligent or highly skilled. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, and, and, and very aggressive and very competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of my good friends, this guy named Perry, he just passed away last week from, from, you know, from the, this, these drugs and oh, he, so um, yeah. And he, was one of the world's largest art dealers in the world. He knew he knew Gianni Versace personally. And what did, they, what did he overdose? What did he overdose on? I believe fentanyl, which is like a harder version of, of heroin. Yeah. Um, and so, isn't fentanyl killing more people in the United States right now than anything else? And nobody talks about it hardly. I know three people who've died from it in the last 30 days. Yeah. I, so, I heard yeah. somebody the other day say fentanyl killed more people last year than COVID and, it absolutely and like, and like five yeah. other things combined and nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody cares. Can, Nobody's talking you, about it. You can take a little bit and you just be de- dead. Is that because are people dying because they don't know how to dose it properly? It's, it's very, it's nearly impossible to dose properly because literally just a, a little bit of powder is too much. I see. Like okay. like you, enough powder that's less than you know just a little your fingernail is damn okay yeah. now okay so you were all right so you had friends and you were going I, I stopped you in your in your flow yeah. there yeah so um, I you know so that that was kind of holding me back but I didn't realize it you know okay. I I got sober on March first twenty sixteen so it's been about close to six and a half years now wow and, uh, wow okay congratulations yeah. are you a um, when you say sober you have to educate me I'm a little ignorant on this. Does that mean you can't have a drink too? Like nothing, like everything's out. Yeah, yeah, no. You can you can smoke. You can have nicotine. Um, okay, you but you cannot smoke. Uh, no, you know, no cannabis. No, no cannabis. No, no, no. No, no, no. No alcohol. Nothing. So, no alcohol. Oh man, no. cigarettes only. Cigarettes. Cigarettes only. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Yeah, no, nothing mind altering. That's the, that's the definition. 
Nothing. Oh, oh, is that how I see? Okay, see, I'm ignorant. I didn't know how that worked. Okay, so yeah, nothing yeah. mind altering. I got you. Technically, nicotine isn't mind altering. Yeah, I see. Okay, so 2016. How long were you in rehab? So I actually didn't go to rehab. I I, de- yeah, I detoxed myself. Um, really? Yeah, I didn't really know anyone who. I didn't know anyone in that area in San Francisco that had ever gone to rehab or was dealt with addiction or anything like that. I didn't know what resources I had available to me. So I actually just dealt with it in my house. And I really, yeah, by yourself, by yourself. Yeah. I was like sweating out the, I I finally realized what a withdrawal was because when I didn't have the pills, I started sweating. And when I went to sleep at night, I would wake up in a pool of of sweat. So How how old were you? 24. 24. And where were you working at the time? At Google. Sorry. You were working at Google. Yeah, I was working at Google. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. And, uh, so you're working at Google. So, and you were doing other stuff besides the oxy. I mean, you were, you were, you had, yeah. was, was, was alcohol, was alcohol super heavy or no? Not, not super heavy, but I was definitely, I was drinking, smoking weed, um, oxycontin and Xanax. Those were the four things. Um, okay. What was they, the trigger point? What was the turning point? What, what was the tipping point? I mean, I had been held up at gunpoint. I had been robbed. I had been, you know, I had been spent weekends in the tenderloin with, with, you know, in dangerous houses in Oakland. I mean, I, and, and I, I spent years, you know, leading a double life. So hold on, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me that you held up at gunpoint, meaning going to buy drugs. Held up. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. So you're going from, you're going from your nice little Bay area where the entrepreneurs live. You're driving over to the bad side of town. Yeah. You're getting the drugs, you're getting held up and you're driving back going, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I got to stop doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I became, I, I reached a point where my conscience saved me. I was tired of lying to people. I was tired of lying to my mom, to myself, most importantly. And um, I didn't feel good. I, I had no self-esteem. I had no self-worth anymore. I was resentful that I wasn't more successful in my career, even though I was very successful, but I had no sense of gratitude. Mm-hmm. So I was working for Google, you know, the number one company I always wanted to work for. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was making tons of money. I'm 24 years old. I'm, you know, a white single male in San Francisco, California. Did you have, did you have any partners, and, girlfriends uh, or anything? Yeah. I was partners? dating a girl okay. at this time. Yeah. 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 Was she, was she a drug user? No, she didn't even know what I was doing. You know, what? All, how'd you, wow, how'd you hide this, man? I don't I'm good. At, I'm good at that. I'm good at that. <laughs> I did your dad, that. did your dad ever call you and say, Kevin, get your shit together? No, he didn't really know because I was across the country. Wow. You know? He knew. I mean, he definitely knew, though. Like he 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 got very serious with me a, a couple of times where he caught me with pills and stuff. And he like was was was, you know, really pissed. And, and you know, we weren't talking for a while. And he was screaming uh, at me and stuff like that. Really? So, really? Yeah. really. But but it's hard. People don't really know how to handle that stuff. You know, like my uncle died from an overdose. My cousin died from an overdose. My grandma was an alcoholic. So, you know, I, I knew it ran in the family, but I just didn't think it would affect me. Okay. But, so you're, de- you're detoxing at home by yourself. What did you call in? Did you tell Google like, Hey, I'm going to miss work for a week. Like, how'd you do that? Yeah, I did. I took off of work. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I, That's I, I actually was going through, I was about to get a back surgery at this time. Was so, that part of the okay? Now was that part of the reason you were taking the drugs for the pain? Yeah, 
Okay. But then I became fully addicted to it. But then, yeah, so everything was blamed on my back and it was, it was legitimate. I went to the doctor. They're like, yep, you have a herniated disc. You can't do this. You can't do that. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't sit down without being in excruciating pain. So yes, that's what led me to do, you know, take all of these. But then I realized how amazing they were. And I was like, whoa, this, this is amazing. I have unlimited confidence. I'm happy. I'm, I'm carefree, all those things. But you have to sell your soul to, to the devil in order to do drugs like that. You know, you, you lose yourself. It happens over and over again. But I was so hellbent on making something of myself and, and make, paving my own way. Because when I was growing up, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, you only got that job opportunity or you only got into Georgetown because your dad's really successful. Yes. I'm sure you yeah. heard that a lot. Yep. So that I hated that. I hated that. that so much. I can't even begin to tell you how much I hated that. So when you talk that would about, be like, you'd be like, it'd be like being Tom Brady's son or something like that would just suck to be that person. It would just suck to be that person. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why I love what I'm doing now because I see. Yeah. my dad doesn't have any connection to this and doesn't didn't help in any way other than, you know, supporting me saying, I, you know, you can do it. That's it. How about um, that? Very good. So, so you go through, so you go, all right. So you get clean. Huh? You, you get clean, you come out clean, didn't have to go through rehab. Then what'd you do? Um, let's see. I quit. Is this, when, is this when the Uber is it? Did, was the Uber thing before Google or after? Well, I was at Google. Oh, you were doing. Holy shit. You got to tell the You got to tell the listeners about this. You can give them yeah. the short version. So you're, you're telling me that this drug thing and working for Google yeah, basketball, all chasing girls, doing drugs, and doing the Uber. This is you're doing all this at the same time. Same time, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Uber trick was incredible. That actually saved me financially. So I, you know, back in those days, they just introduced the give twenty get twenty, uh, you know, uh, refer a friend program. So if I gave you my Uber code, you would take your first ride and you would get twenty dollars free. After you completed your first ride, I would get twenty dollars free. So then what I did was I created a website that's actually still live today. It's called uberfreerides.wordpress.com. And the last edit I made on the website is eight years ago. I just like keeping it up because it's hilarious and it's free. <laughs> um, I don't even know how to take it down, honestly, today. It'll probably be up there forever. But um, I would drive ad traffic to it. So I built a Google Ads campaign. I bid on the keywords Uber Free Ride, Uber Promo Code, Uber Code, Uber Free $20 Off, et cetera. And then, um, you know, I'd spend like $20, say I spent $10 in ads, I would make $100 in, in Uber credit. Wow. So I, mean, I spent, you know, a thousand bucks and I made, yeah, um, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 in Uber ride credit. And then I was able to order my food with it. And because they, they were doing food delivery at the time, and I was able to ride in black Escalades everywhere, all throughout San Francisco for free. All the time. <laughs> all the time it was unlimited it was literally unlimited unlimited so, uh, uh now now you're now the girls are following even closer they're like wait yeah. this guy this guy this guy and <laughs> yeah, that was cool actually i remember going on a date one day and this girl came to me and she's like you know you didn't have to get like an uber black you know like to impress me and i was like oh no like it's this whole long story she actually worked at uber so it was funny to tell her that i was like i actually didn't I actually didn't do that to, to try to impress you, you know, like I, yeah, I, right? I, I would have done this regardless. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But, well, yeah. All that was going on at the same time, but like all my friends who had problems with drugs, they literally were either in rehab and, and stayed in rehab and like were relapsing, trying to get sober, trying to get sober mm -hmm. or they were dead. 
So I was like, I'm not going to give up my shot in San Francisco right now. I'm just going to do this on my own. I was that, I had that much willpower. And then I went to AA meetings and once I got plugged into the AA community, that changed everything. And I, I just, I just did what they said. I went to AA meetings every night and slowly, but surely I was able to get this problem under control. How about that, man? That's pretty cool. You did that by yourself. You still go to the meetings? Yeah, I have one tonight. No shit. Good for you, my friend. I'd say, yeah. hey, I, I respect it. I respect Thank it. I, I don't know how, man, if you told me right now that for the rest of my life, I could never have another bourbon drink. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, that would be hard for me. <laughs> yeah, I get it, man. I, I don't, you can't think about it like that. That used to torment me. I, I, the rest of my life is like a concept I don't think about. I just think about how do you, today. Yeah, how do you do that? Just day to day? Day yeah, to day? Yeah, I tell myself I may use tomorrow, but let's revisit that tomorrow and see how I feel. I see. Oh, okay. Uh, and then tomorrow, I I hopefully, never comes. I see. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story with with everybody. Yeah. Very, very, very yeah. personal. But that's okay. Very good. Never and never. How how old are you now? Thirty one. Never got close to getting married at all. Never. I did. I did actually. I was, you know, I almost got engaged last year. I was living with a girl uh, that I loved, and we were dating for four years. We had a dog together, but ultimately, it just didn't work out. It wasn't meant to be. So we separated uh, uh, November of last year. So I did get close, but it it didn't, it didn't feel right when it, when it finally came to the end there. You kind of know, right. Yeah. I I get it. Well, yeah, the right, the right, the right one will come along. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so so you Google and then what do you go to work or you, Walk us through. There, there's a that, couple of things that happened here with open door and stuff. Yeah. Before growth. Yeah. Go that, for it. Then I bounced around. I mean, it wasn't glamorous. I mean, I left, okay. I left wow. Google voluntarily to okay. go do a like immersive boot camp in San Francisco, where, where at that time I was an expert in Google ads, but I knew nothing about all the other channels. Um, okay. SEO, um, Facebook okay. ads, Instagram ads, email marketing, conversion rate optimization. I didn't know any of that. So I went and I did this like program it was 90 days immersive where you learn from all these different mentors. You take all these classes. This is right when the, the term growth marketing was invented. 2014 yeah. Yeah. Um, head of growth, growth person. None of that existed before. So direct to consumer. When did, when did direct to consumer start? That was right. That was like, too, wasn't it? 2016, 2015. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, I wanted to be a head of growth and I, and I was doing sales at Google. So it wasn't a, exactly a direct fit. So then I had to go learn all this stuff. I went to two separate startups after that. Both of them failed. Good experience so, though. Good experience. Yeah, yeah. One one I was at for 90 days and they laid everyone off because they couldn't secure funding. The next one I was at for a year, but it pivoted and changed something completely different. And then I moved to Los Angeles on July 17th of 2017. For a job? Or a job at a company called Open Listings. I see. And that introduced me to the world of Los Angeles, which was, you know, incredible. That's way more my alley, my speed with, with, you know, kind of what it's like in Florida. You know, you have a car, it's hot, there's a beach. Just those three things I can I relate with pretty well. <laughs> I can get acclimated. And um, that was a real estate technology company that went through Y Combinator. That was a big success. And it got sold to Open Door, which was another real estate startup that is now public did you get to be involved in any of that in that that any of the transaction any of the negotiations did you have any equity were you high up enough to 
be involved in any of that to learn? Uh, I was based. Great question. I was like right on the cusp. I was not involved in any of the negotiations. Okay. Um, I had equity. So, and I still have oh. equity in an open door now. Beautiful. Excellent. Um, and, uh, but I didn't, I had no part in the okay. decision-making or any of that, but I got very close with our CEO at open listings and he kind of walked me through everything. And I was, I knew one of the investors of open listings too. And he, you know, helped me get that job. So he told me all about what it was like and things like that. Okay. Now during that time, good learning, all that, by the way, all those things you just told me, great experience, learning a shit ton through all of that. During that time, were you like, were you like, Hey, this is cool. I'm glad I'm learning, but I'm going to start my own thing as soon as I have a chance. Yeah. I knew that at that time. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then what happens? It turns into open door. What happens next? Um, How do you, with your career next year, go ahead. Yeah. So then uh, I started doing freelance SEO for a company called Ritual, which is a which was a women's vitamin company. Now it's women's and men's. And you were running that under your own little LLC brand or whatever. Yeah. Freelancer. Yeah. Freelancer. Yeah. All right. And I was really good at it and I really enjoyed it. And Ritual was one of the most popular and still is one of the most popular D2C brands in the world. Everybody wants to be like them. They just have great branding great you know they got we, such a hot start I'm, it makes does such i'm a trying to visualize i'm trying to visualize are you working from home like you're you're at, you're at your screen you're yeah. in this dark you're in this dark like 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 a uh, basement and you're like making them rank number one on google is that I'm, yeah. I'm trying to visualize this yeah that's it that's what was happening women's <laughs> multivitamins you know and i'm going i'm going to their office in venice and i was like you know it was really cool so i around this time i met one of my best friends who's now my co-founder john zacharias and okay. He's an SEO expert, had been doing it for years, fell into addiction himself. We met in AA. Oh, that's how you met. Okay. Yeah. And we both did the same thing, had the same passions. We were in similar life stages and we just, you know, shoot for the moon. So it was a good, a good pairing. And we decided we wanted to do this and give it a shot as an agency. And at that Mm. exact time, one of my close friends, a guy named Steve Weiss had just sold a digital marketing agency for tons of, of, of money. Oh, so yeah, you're talking to your friend, your co-founder. You're like, hey, man, we can do this too. <laughs> yeah, we should go do this. You know, yeah, I was like, you know, Steve, <laughs> Steve's got, can you know get counsel us on how to do this, and he's done that, and and know, maybe Steve can give us some cash to start. Yeah, exactly. That ended up not happening, but he could have. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> we didn't right, need so you- cash to start. It's fully bootstrapped. Uh, what's your co-founder's name? John. John. Okay, and you guys fully bootstrapped it, just you and him. Yeah, just just he and I. We just. You know, we had our first, we had 10 clients between the two of us. We, and that was know, it. Boom, go. Yeah. We, we only hired when we had the money to hire. We, we didn't need any extra capital. Okay. So let's pause right there for the listeners, for the aspiring entrepreneurs. You're, you're doing freelance. You got a few clients. You're making a decent living. You're running it under a little LLC or whatever. You're not really trying to, you're not really trying to like start a brand at that point. You're just, you're no. just, you're just paying the bills and you're having fun. You meet this guy at AA, you and him bond. He's got some clients. He's basically doing the same thing, but he's better at SEO at that time, right? Yeah. Or something, something like that. Yep. yep. All right. And then you're like, hey, let's let's join forces and start our own agency. We already have revenue. We got we have revenue right now. So when we when we create the company, we're already pre post revenue, right? You're you're in business, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no there's no there's no startup expense, really. Not not really, right? Unless you no. Okay. No office. We had our own laptops. We didn't we, there was no 
I mean, All other right. than we, we needed a lawyer. Need uh, a lawyer to drop some paperwork. Yeah, that's uh, it. And uh, did you draw it up 5149 or 5050? What'd you do? 5050. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, man. What do you do? Will you flip a coin when you're, when you're fighting about something? What do you do? Uh, you know, we haven't had, we haven't had anything yet where we have been deadlocked. Um, what does so the I operating agreement say is going to happen when you do get deadlocked? We have a, we picked a third party advisor and they make the decision. Okay. That is a great tip for the listeners, especially the young aspiring entrepreneurs right there. Take a hold of that. Yeah. You First need of all, for, for anybody that listens to this show on a regular basis, Personally, me, Steve, I don't, I'm not a big fan of 50-50. It's easier yeah. to do 51-49. But if you do 50-50, just make sure there is something in the operating agreement that the operating agreement that triggers what will happen or who will decide if there's a deadlock. There's got to be something in there that says that. Great job of making sure that that was in there. Really nice, nice job. That has that happened? Have you had to use the advisor on anything yet? No, no. Okay, good for no. you guys. But, uh, but yeah, no, the, my advice to the entrepreneur is behave as if everything that could go wrong will. <laughs> so <laughs> 5149, it would have been a great idea, but it wasn't the right thing to do at that time. We wouldn't at that gotten, time. We wouldn't have gotten where we are now. Resentments would have built up. It would have yeah, been. Yeah, probably. It, it wouldn't, we wouldn't have made it this far. It would have already blown up. So that's in the future. I, I will probably wouldn't get into any venture until I'm, unless I have that set up, but I didn't have anything yet. This is all. Did you guys, have, have you guys had any, you haven't told him to fuck off or anything? I'm sure you've had Oh, something. a million times. We've had a million. I can't tell you how many. That's why when you talk about how to pick a co-founder, I mean, you have to know, you absolutely have to know the person for multiple years before you do a business with them. There is no such thing in my mind as like, let's go to this meetup and try to find a co-founder. No, everyone seems great at the beginning. <laughs> and then you, but you need to know who they are inside and out. You need to understand what they stand for. You're not just going to be talking about business. They're going to meet your family. You're going to meet their family. You know, I totally agree. with them, vacations with them. You're going to want to spend time with this person. If you don't, there's nothing worse than a terrible business co-founder relationship where you hate each other. There's just nothing. I mean, other than divorce, it's very comparable. I would yes. imagine. Um, 100% agree. And, and I will just go even further to say, I don't care if you go to a, uh, a meetup or a, a conference and you're, you're quote, looking for a co-founder and you meet the smartest fucking guy on the planet that, that complements your skill sets. If you don't know that person and you don't know their family and you haven't been around them to really, truly understand their personality and their habits and their behaviors and their religion and their politics and their whatever, right? Like if you guys don't match up and you can't get along and you can't tell each other to fuck off one day and then get up the next day and be okay. Like that is just so important. And it's so, it's so critical. Businesses don't just fail because the product doesn't work. They fail because the partnership doesn't work. Most of the time they fail because of human beings, not because of the product. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And that is, you know, Scott and I've been together now for six years and, uh, yeah, I trust, I mean, we've known each other for almost 18, but we've been in business together for six and yeah. Yeah, I trust, I trust the guy with my life. Yeah, right. I, I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I would, my, I would take my granddaughter over there to let him watch her for, for a month if I had to, you know what yeah, I mean? I like, it yeah. has got to be that kind of relationship. So anyway, I didn't mean to go down a rabbit hole, but it, 
what you said there is just so important when you're picking co-founders. Please, if you're listening to this episode, don't just go to some random fucking conference and quote, look for a co-founder. That's not how it works. <laughs> anyway, uh, we, I don't know how we went down that path. You guys bootstrapped. Okay, so you're moving along. You got some clients. And then I guess you just start getting more clients and eventually start hiring people, right? It just starts moving. It starts, it starts blowing up. Just starts blowing up and it's really just one thing, one, one thing at a time, you know, and it's just, it's, it just, I put, we put our head down by the time I put my head back up, you know, we had, we're at where we are today. I mean, a hundred employees, $25 million in revenue this year. Sweet. You know, it's shocking. Wow. That's so clients. I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly just shocking. I don't know how it all happened. <laughs> well, it happened because you, you, you kicked ass and worked hard. Are you telling me from 2020. So in two years, you've gone from, you've gone from zero to 25 million. Yeah. I mean, just, let's just let that breathe for a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let me see in 24 months. You and John took a business from zero to 25 million and from two employees, you and him to a hundred in 24 months. That's right. That is, that is incredible. And, and you have not taken on cash. No. And you don't, you, no debt, no debt, no debt and no outside investors. No. What? Okay. No. We have a group <laughs> of, of advisors that we've chosen, what? but none, none right. of them put money in. Yeah. Wow, buddy. Okay. Yeah. 25 million in revenue, 100 employees, no debt, no no investors, no outside cash and you and him still own 50/50 right now on the cap table. Yeah, we get we give uh we have a 20% employee pool, but yeah, 50/50. That is phenomenal. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. That is really excellent. Wow. So what's happening for you now is you have people wanting to call and give you cash. You have investors. Yeah trying to get in. They're chasing yeah. you now. Yeah. How are yep. you handling those phone calls? Uh, I like to take them and learn about what they're looking for, what they think they can offer, what questions they ask. You know, it's part of my job as the CEO to be able to speak to these people and understand how to give them reporting that, that matters. You know, yeah. what's our EBITDA? What's our growth rate? What's our projections for next month, next quarter, next year? You know, so I use it as just an exercise, but you know, we don't, I, I, we may look to sell like 20% of the company to just um, tighten up our corporate governance, like you had just talked about and to grow uninhibited, you know, we just higher, higher, higher. But um, I mean, we, you're also, growing, I we also may not. Yeah. I mean, you're growing so fast right now. I, I, if you try to grow any faster, you might break something. I mean, maybe yeah, you just yeah. leave it alone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, yeah. I don't know why you would you don't have to take on any cash. Now, if somebody wants to just buy you outright and give you and John a bunch of cash to ride off into the sunset. Okay. Let's have that meeting. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, what do you contribute to the, I'm sure that you could write a book about it, but if you had to pick a couple of things to contribute to the fast growth, what, what would it be? Hmm. Well, we both spent like 10 years prior to starting grow building the skills necessary to start grow and run it well so like i was at google i was at open door these other companies studying the ceo understanding how they behave getting to know them personally uh, you know really like emulating their behavior and understanding their background where they come from 
that's the same thing that John was doing. We had incredible networks where we, we, you know, we've treated people well and done great work for people for years. So when we started the company, our first 20 clients, I was like, call, call people that I know and, and that, that work and are the decision maker for a startup. Hey, I'm starting a digital marketing agency and SEO. You guys need SEO. Will you hire me? Yep, sure. So that was very helpful. Um, we built a referral partner network where I would sign you up and I'd say, I'd say, Steve, I'll pay you 10% of the deal, you know, the, the total deal value that you send to me and I'll pay you monthly. So you send me a client as a referral, we can sign them up for $10,000 a month. I'll pay you a thousand dollars a month forever. And that's very, well, as long as that client, as long as that client yeah. is active that they see. Yeah. 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 But that's a very lucrative thing. I mean, there's, we have, we have 10 people where we pay their full mortgage. We pay them at least 10, 12, $15,000 a month personally. So because they, because we've basically bought, we purchased their network. Gotcha. Yeah. And then the yeah. last thing is we treat, we treat people well. Our culture is unmatched. We genuinely do the right thing. You know, we treat people well. We care about people beyond just being professionals. Like I know every single employee, all 100, their first name. I, I know, yeah. I know everything about them. I, I've spoken yeah. with every single one of them. Very good, my friend. And I know, very, and I know them good. well. So I, you know, very there's good. very good. We, we have a, we have a legitimate relationship. They don't just work for some figurehead who's the CEO. You know, they all know me. What's been the, what's been your darkest moment so far? Scariest moment uh, in the company from, from a company perspective. Uh, I would get, I would guess the speed of the growth, just making sure the wheels don't fall off. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we can't hire fast enough. We have business coming in. I cannot. That's why, bro. That's why you're talking to me. We're recruiting from. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So that's very hard. Yeah. It's Um, very hard. Very hard. We we have so many, there's so many things you need to do legally uh, that are very difficult to navigate. How do you fire someone properly? How do you hire them properly with the right documents and the right, you know, this and that. And like, you know, do you have the right sexual harassment, um, you know, uh, policy in your handbook? Do you have an employee handbook? Um, you know, there's a million that you might you might run your company with the best of intentions. But if you don't hire the right counsel on the legal side to make sure that you are following the rules and you're always compliant, that's the scariest thing you can face. Yep. You can face lawsuits. You can face this, that misclassification of employees. That's the scariest thing because I'm not a law expert. So making sure that you don't that we don't make those mistakes. That's, that's, that's the scariest thing. Uh, let's, let's take a, a pause right there for the listeners. You know, yeah. Once you and your co-founder get going, you, you know, you're doing $200,000 a year. Okay, cool. Yeah. Hey, you start doing a few million dollars a year. You better make damn sure you have good counsel and you have your, your paperwork in order. You have an advisor on the HR side and you have a really good tax accountant and fractional CFO. Yeah. Surround yourself with those people. Yeah. Right away. <laughs> yeah, you, you need the right insurances. What's EPL and the right insurance, insurance and the right insurance? Thank you. What's wage and hour insurance? What what insurance do you need if you have employees in different states? I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> I remember the last time we sat down with our insurance guy, and we're just a recruiting firm. We have about thirty recruiters involved, right, and thirty people on the team. And last time I met with my insurance guy, I said, "Look, his name's Scott too." I said, "Scott, look, I just I want everything. Just every, yeah, what, every, every, what, yeah. I just want everything." Yeah, yeah, I know. I did that too. I did that too. Yeah, I want every single thing. I so, want everything. Yeah, so you can't. The reason it's so critical is you. We're not venture backed. If you're not a venture backed company, you can't make those mistakes. 
And if you are a venture back company, your investors are probably saying, all right, here's your tax account. Yeah. You know, here's this, here's that. <laughs> you know, we don't, you don't have that luxury. You have to make calls to friends that have done this before and say, who do I use for accounting? Who do I use for my taxes? Who do I use for insurance? What type of insurance do I need? How much coverage do I need? Like I've had to make hundreds or thousands of those phone calls and just take it piece by piece by piece by piece, you know, and I still do it today. We're applying for new insurances that I didn't know we needed. Luckily, nothing bad happened in the last year, but we were exposed to this or that, you know, and I just, I just try to plug up the holes. It's interesting listening to you go through the progression of becoming a real CEO of a $25 million company, going from, Hey, I know how to get you ranked high on Google to holy shit, I'm the CEO of a, of a hundred employee company and I got to make sure all of our legal shit's in order. It's really a different, it's, it's, it's a different job, right? Yeah, I mean, you are completely different job. You're in a completely different job. What do, do you, what parts of being a CEO do you like the best now at the stage you're in? And what parts do you, are you like, yeah, I wish I didn't have to deal with that. <laughs> I, I hate the legal stuff um, <laughs> because I, I don't like dealing with it. It's not fun. It's too serious for me. I, I'm more of like a, happy-go-lucky guy who likes to, you know, uh, ideate on new, new things that legal can be too negative, especially if you're really involved with something that's scary or like, you know, where there were, was some wrongdoing or something. I mean, it's too negative. That negative energy can spill over into your personal relationships, make you depressed. It's nasty. Some people in business are nasty. And so I hate being around that. Um, but for me, I like to experience everything once. So I want to do all this stuff to see what it's like, you know, like I think later in life, I could be a venture capitalist. I could do a lot of different things, but having, I like to say I've been there and done that. And this is part of that. Like even the stuff that's negative or difficult that I don't like doing, Mm -hmm. I get to say I've done, you know, and it makes me more, more well-rounded, more, you know, efficient with the things I want to do. I see you uh, edging into the investing world already. In fact, on your LinkedIn profile, you have the companies listed that you've invested in, some of them. Yeah. So is that where you see yourself going later on when you get to be my age? Is that is that what you're doing? You're, I'd you're- love to. Yeah, I'd love to work with young entrepreneurs and, and do that. The question is just some people have massive venture firms and, and some people have really small boutique ones. I have to decide what I want to, what my life is like at that point because I'm a danger of working too much and I'm really trying to, focus on having some work-life balance and and what are you doing for that my friend are you playing basketball are you in a a couple of men's leagues what are you what are you doing to keep it balanced not anymore you know i'm retired from basketball now um but uh i I go to the gym a lot i do hot yoga i work out do you lift weights yeah i do uh today at five o'clock i'm gonna go get an iv which i love doing because it's like they fill you up with tons of vitamins and I do the cryotherapy machine, which is like, you know, gets you super cold for three minutes and refreshes your whole body. Okay. Now I got to ask you about this IV thing because my wife and I passed a place like that today, today at lunch. So, so I go by, we're going to this teriyaki place or whatever. And I saw it and it's like IV, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what what is that? And she's like, oh, you go in there and they fill you up with vitamin C and blah. And I'm like, huh? How, How does it work? Give me, give me the scoop real quick. They give you tons of different options of what different IVs that you want. But the real thing is you go in, they do your blood work and they say, all right, Steve, you're deficient in vitamin D, you're deficient in vitamin B, you know, you need to get your levels up. So we're going to, this custom IV, what you need twice a month. So like 
I, I go in there and like my liver was not functioning super well. And they're like, you need this thing called glutathione. And that's what I get in every IV now. And my liver is noticeably with data functioning better. So how about that? it's how about a better, uh, you know, I want to, the, the downside of entrepreneurship is stress. Yes. Stress Absolutely. can kill you. If you yes. don't handle it properly, it can kill you. It can make you lose your hair. It can, it can do a lot of things that are negative. And, can, and it can make you be an addict, right? It can make you be an addict. It can do, it can do innumerable things. It should not be underestimated for anyone listening. Yeah, totally. So you need to combat that. And for me, I've taken an interest in my own personal uh, physical health, because let's say I made a hundred million dollars tomorrow, yeah. but I was injured or I was like right. out of, out of shape and I, I couldn't walk around or I, you know, yeah. Yeah. you're, your physical health is worth just as much as how much money you have in your bank account, you know, probably no doubt about more, it. honestly. So I want to feel better. Do, Does it make you feel better? Like after you get the IV, do you yeah. feel better? Yeah. You feel hydrated. You feel clearer. You feel a bunch of different stuff. But my thing oh. is, I, I just want to make sure I'm getting all the right vitamins. Like my, my dad now has uh, something called Lewy body dementia. I don't, I don't know what it, is it? It's like a mix between Parkinson's and regular dementia. And so I and his brothers, both of them have Parkinson's as well. Oh and my so gosh. I'm trying to push that stuff out. If that runs in my family and that's in my blood or whatever, my, I, if you start giving yourself all the right vitamins and doing everything you can physically right now at age 31, that stuff either won't happen to you or it'll happen way later, or it'll be less, it'll be, it'll be less bad. So I'm trying to start now. I mean, I've got, look at it. I got these vitamins right here. I mean, I take, uh, I, I, I used to hate taking that stuff, but I make sure I get everything I need now. I am going to go to the, I'm going to go back to this place now. You, you got me. Yeah. Yes. You got yeah, me convinced. Yeah. Cause I, I saw it today. I'm like, Hmm, I think I need it's it. great, man. If you, you'd be shocked. I mean, you'd be, you'll, you'll go in there. They'll do your blood work. You'll be shocked at what you're missing. You know? <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, Hey man, you're all fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they're gonna tell me. And actually, I went there. I went there, and they said, "Hey, your testosterone's low." Really? Okay. Yeah, so they got that, that. They, Can they do that? Can they fix that there? Yeah. So for men, that's really important. Most people think of testosterone as just being related to sex drive, but no, yeah, no, no. It's, so many other things. It's yeah. it helped if you have high testosterone, you sleep way better. You um your your metabolism was way better. Your okay, moods going. your moods are lifted. Um, and of course the stuff that guys care about, you know, your sex drive, that's yeah. way different too, but critical, it's critical. critical. It's critical. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I'm going to this place. I appreciate you telling me that I'm, I'm going to go to this place. I, yeah, I sing their praises all the time. I mean, the one I go to in Los Angeles is called next health and okay. they have it in a few other cities. It's fantastic. It's just, it's, I, right. can, I cannot, I'm going, I'm going enough about it. Congratulations, my friend on everything you guys have built. Uh, I mean, you. you have had a, you've had an interesting life already and you're still a pretty young guy. Yeah. You still, you, yeah. You still got a lot to do. You got, I mean, you, shit, you'll be back on our podcast two or three more times with a bunch of more stories. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I appreciate you being on the show, Kevin. Thank you very much for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me.